everybody on their best behavior. Now the record button has started. <laughs> I, uh, Lord, I, I, you know what? I truly believe that some of the best conversations that we have have never been recorded, and that's probably for the best. It, it probably is. Hey, before we before we get started today, Drew, um, we do have to uh, we have we to go. do a little honor what our honors do. So we had our um, we had our March Madness. Uh, bracket tournament and we do have we do have a winner we do have a winner um and unfortunately it was not um eddie wins this time and it wasn't um it wasn't vols to the wall uh which was our amy smith lac um the winner of the tournament bracket and it wasn't it wasn't the um uh ever amazing aaron carlisle who didn't submit a bracket it was (laughs) actually the very one the very only drew brent so congratulations drew on the 2022 lottery that, that, that was just the you you guessed best. Yeah. So what do I win? That's the question. Like, <laughs> like if it's just bragging rights, why did I do this? Uh, you win <laughs> a trophy that says, "Ah, you didn't suck." Hey, you know what? I'm game for that. Yeah. I, I'm I'm absolutely game for that because the 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 only reason I'm okay with it is because I have it and you don't. That's <laughs> that's the only reason I'm good with it. Well, and, it, it's in the mail. Just, just we, keep waiting for I'm it. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. And I know that all of you are waiting for this episode of You Can Ask That, where we answer the questions that you submit. If you've got questions about spirituality, life, or pretty much anything, pretty much anything, you can ask that. Why? That's the that's the name of the show. You can ask that. You can text your questions in at 501-438-9634. I'm Drew Brent with our illustrious panel, Amy Smith, LAC, Pastor Eddie Schaefer, and the, um, what are we going to call him, the spiritual savant, Aaron Carlisle. <laughs> wow, that's the nicest thing I've been called today, Drew. Thank you. Okay, that will be the nicest thing you're called today as well. So that's... <laughs> Uh, we've got we've got a uh, we've got a myriad of questions today, all kind of surrounding the same topic. I'm interested to see where this goes, but the premise for today's episode really talks about forgiveness. And when we talk about forgiveness, we're not just talking about forgiveness from God; we are talking about forgiveness of others. And one thing that I really hope that we touch on tonight is forgiveness of self. So we need to talk about all of those things. But where really did this question come from, Eddie? I think the I think the big question when it stems from forgiveness and, and, and something that I hear a lot is, man, if I were to walk in that church building, the walls would fall down. Man, if you know what, uh, I'm I'm not good with God. God's God's done with me. Can God still forgive me? Can can God still do something? Can God forgive that? How many times can God forgive? And and there's just this big idea about who God is, what He thinks uh, when it comes to us and the, the things that we've done in our life, and so. Uh, I think probably the heart of the question from from the the people that have been asking is, is there a way for me to be right with God? And I've got all these broken places in my life, and what do I do with that? And what does God think about that? Before we dive into that discussion, too, I want to go ahead and preface this by saying there are a few other questions that we're going to ask tonight. One that I have on my heart as well, not just how many times can God forgive me, how many times should I forgive others? Um, how many times can others forgive me? Let's talk about the interpersonal side of that. I feel fairly certain that there are people who are listening to this who who have that same question. Um, and then this will branch off into how it branches off. So let's make sure that uh, we preface that by saying this goes much more into how many times am I going to mess up before God stops loving me? We can we can absolutely uh, dive into dive into that. So let's start with this, Eddie. What's the answer to the question? Well, I think if you... <laughs> 247. <laughs> 42. Yeah. Uh, I, I, think, I think the answer to the question is something that's easy to say and hard to believe, um, and, and, and which is why so many people struggle with it. And I think it's something that, you know, and, and I have to be clear about some things, okay? Number one... Um, you guys need to know, I don't think that I've got God completely figured out. In fact, I honestly think that people that think they have God completely figured out are um, absolutely insane because this idea that me is this is this person who's lived life, um, I'm 47, 47 years, can understand the God who created it all and understand everything about him and the way he thinks and works. I just think that's absolutely uh, a crazy thought. And so here's what I'm going to tell you guys today. We're going to share some things that I believe are some answers and, and, and you guys may have some questions and you guys may punch some holes in my answers. And, and, and so, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you the best that I can of how to interpret what God has said to us and what God has 
tried to get us to understand. And, and I think that I've got it about 80% figured out, uh, which means there's 20% that I'm pretty confident I'm wrong about, and I don't know which 20% it is. And so that keeps me really, really humble, and it keeps me really searching his word. And it's one of the reasons that I love conversations like this. And so if you said to me, Eddie, how many times can God forgive a sin or forgive a failure? I would say is it is it's a bad understanding of what forgiveness is and what God did when he forgave because all sin, not just your sin, all sin was forgiven in one moment on the cross by Christ. That's all past sin, present sin, future sin. It's all already been forgiven. We have to learn how to receive it. Okay. That's 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 hopefully reassuring to everybody out there. But if it's already been forgiven, why do I have to keep groveling and ask for forgiveness? Yeah, and why is it so hard to 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 accept it or to give it? And uh, I think we like to throw all these things in one big bucket. So we like to throw vengeance in the bucket with forgiveness, and we like to throw justice in the bucket with forgiveness. And, uh, like, I, it's easy for me to forgive after I've already gotten my pound of flesh back, right? Um, somebody cuts me off in traffic, and then as long as I can you know, speed up ahead and cut them off, um, then it's pretty easy to forgive them because I feel like justice has been served. And isn't that what we're all looking for when it comes to others? Um, yeah. First thought that hits us is a negative thought. We want retribution. We want revenge. We want to get even. And it holds us back even when it comes to ourselves. And I think that's, and we'll get to this, um, but why is it so hard to forgive yourself? Because it's really hard to get that from yourself. Well, and, and, and to Eddie's going to step out for a minute. We're going to keep this thing rolling. Um, Amy, you had something that, that well, just add add to that. I mean, what can you elaborate and bring to to what Aaron just said? Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, my where I'm sitting right now is kind of um, in a different space because I have questions about um, why we need forgiveness to begin with. And I I, I come at that from a, um, a puzzling point of view, not because I'm questioning so much my salvation or anything like that, but I do have some questions of like, okay, if we were infected with sin and that's how we're born, then why do you have to apologize and ask for forgiveness for something that you didn't actually acquire on your own? Um, I think I mentioned, like, it's like asking your abuser for forgiveness or something. Like if you kind of Borderline of Stockholm body. Syndrome kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. yeah, so maybe kind of looking at that point of view and seeing how to un- untangle that knot. It well, just feels like you're walking right into the situation to start with, though, letting everyone off the hook. Um, hey, I walked in, I'm flawed, I keep screwing it, uh, screwing it up, and so it's not my fault, I'm okay, no accountability. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes and no, because, I mean, I think Amy's point is valid. Like, if, if, the, if the conversation is, I need to, I'm going to give you a story, all right? My wife and I had this conversation recently where we talked about Assembly of God Church Camp, and I'm not calling out the Assembly of God Church Camp specifically. This just happened to be our experience, okay? I remember after going to three years of Assembly of God Church Camp, after every single church camp that we got done, I would spend weeks afterwards practicing how fast I could say, Jesus, forgive me, just in case a bus hit me. Mm. Honest God, I would have, I have a recurring nightmare to this day about something I'm about to die and I have to say, Jesus, forgive me really, really quick or else I'm going to die and go to hell. You know, and that's not true by any stretch, but it's something that has been ingrained in a lot of church folk who think, man, if I don't get this out right now, then my salvation is lost because right before I got hit by a bus, I uttered a four-letter word, which in that context is probably appropriate. (laughs) Right. Because first you say it and then you do it. So, you know, I I would say that that (laughs) what it's funny. All right. Laugh. It's fine. That's 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 good. I mean that that that's real. So the this analogy of 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 uh, asking the abuser for forgiveness while um, strong, I think is a valid question. Like if we are born flawed, why do I need to ask forgiveness for that? And I, I also, I just want to throw in, I think the root of Amy's comment was why do we need forgiveness from God when he created us inherently flawed? And so if we just 
follow that path of being flawed, then why do we have to ask him for forgiveness for doing exactly what we should be doing? Because it's how he created us. And the second part of it is forgiveness from each other. I think that's that's these are two different yeah, things. Yeah, let's these start from the things. God angle. If that's how Christianese says we were born, um, well, no, I'm not going to go there yet. If we are born into sin, why do we apologize for the sin we're born into? So I feel like you guys are all looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just walked back in and sat down, so yeah. there you go. So we didn't stop the podcast when you stepped yeah, down, no, and there was, was a concerted effort of like, let's destroy Eddie yeah, when he gets yeah. in here. So, so I'm going to say some things, um, and, and I'm going to say some things knowing that it's going to go on the internet, and, and people can take and manipulate and twist and distort um, whatever they want to, and that's part of the reason I never wanted to do something like this, and yet I think with the questions you guys are asking are some really, really good things, and I think, um, I think the, the reality is I think that we misunderstand several things. For instance, you know, Amy said, man, we got to seek forgiveness from the one who caused or the one who, who put this in us. And I think it's important to understand that God didn't put anything in us. God gave us the opportunity to choose this amazing free relationship with him. And we chose something different and that gave birth to something different. But like we didn't choose something different. It was Adam and Eve. That's a generational curse I inherited. Yeah. Absolutely. But it but it was still something that was passed down. It was something that God didn't choose, someone else chose, and it gave birth to something. And just like when you when you have um, you know, we're all married in this room and we all we all have children, right? So so the reality is whatever we give birth to has its own life and it lives its life and it brings consequences to the lives that come after it. And so just because you weren't there first doesn't mean that you're not impacted by the lives that went before you. Hey man, the people that fought in World War II have impacted our lives. The people that fought in the Civil War have impacted our lives. What happened with Adam and Eve has impacted our lives. And by the way, it didn't end with Adam and Eve because God started it all over again after Noah. And then we did it again. We did it again. We went back into this thing, this broken place, this broken way of living. And it's not that it's not that God did it to us. It's a realization of where we are. And so then there's this idea of, man, I have to ask forgiveness. Well, how many times do I have to ask forgiveness? Do I have to ask forgiveness for, for every four-letter word I said, which, by the way, I have this whole other thought about cussing and whether God even, God even cares and, and what gives words its power. Because we think if you say a four-letter word, it's bad, but you can say a non-four-letter word. That means the same a, thing. With a mean heart. And, right. and that it is somehow okay, and, and God, but, but whatever, that's a conversation for another podcast. But I don't think it's about us asking for forgiveness that makes us forgiven. I think it's about receiving the forgiveness that yeah. was paid for and a recognition of who I am, which opens the door in my life for me to receive what I need. Would you guys agree that when you ask for forgiveness, it's like cleansing the palate of the distaste of whatever foul thing we've done. There is something that you receive inside when you ask for forgiveness and you've done something and that weighs on your heart, whether it makes you guilty or not, it weighs on your heart and you ask for forgiveness and you receive it. It, it cleanses the palate. It's just, it makes you feel like you have just been released of that and you no longer have to pay the price for what you just did. See, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. If you don't recognize you did something wrong, you're not open to somebody restoring what you did. I wasn't wrong. Hey, man, I wasn't wrong. I didn't do something to you. I didn't hurt you. Hey, man, I forgive you. I want to make our relationship right. What, what's, nothing's wrong with our relationship. I didn't do anything to you. But once I realize I've wronged you, once I realize I've done something wrong, now I'm open to what I need to do to restore a relationship and make things right. And so forgiveness isn't about me saying, God, can you? He already did. Will you? He already did. Jesus isn't dying again. He already died. And on that cross, he took every sin. It's already done. It's the ability for me to recognize my failures, recognize my flaws, and receive what Christ did that brings forgiveness. Was the ability to flaw necessary to establish a true relationship with Jesus? Yes. Okay. So in that sense, in that sense, the people who are like me are screaming into their radios right now going, now wait a minute. I've got to ask forgiveness 
because I messed up, even though the nature of the world that I was born into was conducive for me to grow up in an environment where I was going to do this anyway. Twice God did this, and twice the creation messed this up, and yet I have to, I have to consistently feel guilty about, feel guilty about the things that I have done wrong, despite the fact I was put into an environment where I was destined to fail to begin with. How is that? An, how is that a fair assessment? Like here's what's in my mind right now. If you say that, okay, so I, let's hypothetically, I don't ask for forgiveness at all. I just repent. In other words, I just, hey, I, I messed that up. That was the wrong thing to do. I'm not going to do that anymore. I move on. Like, do I have to ask for forgiveness from God? I, I just repent, and I correct my actions, and I move on. Well, well, two things about repentance, though. Two things about repentance, and, and this was something I wanted to say a few minutes ago. Um, when you were talking about asking for forgiveness being a cleansing of the palate, mm-hmm. if, I, you know, if I wrong you, on a personal level, I've known you for a long time, and if I wrong you, it's not necessary for me to, to ask you for forgiveness because I know your heart. If I mess up, you're going to forgive me whether I ask you for it or not. But me asking you for it and then receiving it from you is a cleansing of, of that palate and it's a refresher mm-hmm. of that relationship. Then to the second thing about repentance is not just to turn away from your sin, as in turning away and not performing that sin again, Repentance also means to turn away from the sin from your own remembrance and to not let it affect you anymore. I'm literally turning my memory. I'm turning this away. I'm turning a, a new leaf. I'm saying that this is all done and this is all over. So that means that means two things. I just wanted to throw that out there. You are removing the distaste. Right. No, so I mean, I agree right. with you there. Absolutely. But why is that still necessary? We were, I mean... There are people who are, Amy, tell me if I'm wrong, our age and younger who are in the middle of a deconstruction process who have this sentence that floats around in their head all the time, God set us up to fail. I mean, so why do I have to keep asking for forgiveness if I, if he knew I was going to fail, if he knew I was going to mess up? He took my favorite quote here lately is God took account my stupidity when he wrote the plans of my heart. Well, why is it my stupidity? That's the question for for a lot of the deconstructionists out there who are going, why? Why why am I why am I apologizing for something there is literally no way I could have controlled? I think that's hard too in in society we have um, people that judge people who mess up, and if we're destined to mess up, and I mean, we're, I've never been 39 on April 11th. This is the first day I've ever lived this day. Um, I'm I don't have a manual. I'm just doing it right based on my experiences and and everything. And and we're so hard on people to try to get things right. And the whole idea of salvation is wrapped around these rules that we can't keep. And, and I think sometimes I'm kind of going off tangent here, but I feel like we're not focusing on the, the joy of life and on all of the, the good things that come out of why we're here. And we can get too focused on trying to do what's right and not sinning. And I just don't know why all the focus has to be on the forgiveness. I think the focus... I think the focus is on all of the forgiveness because we know what we deserve based on so many things we do. And I don't think all of the focus for God is on us continually asking for forgiveness. I think the focus from God is, would you just live the life that I want for you? But for us, we recognize our flaws, and we recognize our failures. And I think we have to understand what sin is. Sin just means I missed the mark on who I should have been in a moment or what I should have done in a situation. I didn't handle it well. I didn't handle it right. And, and so that would be a sin. Well, it means that I hurt somebody or I hurt myself or I damaged something. And, and what God is saying is, listen, you're going to damage things because you're human. And here's what God knows. 
you've only been 39 in this season, in this day, one time. And so we think that he, that he looks at that moment and he says, that moment is going to separate you from me forever. But that's not what he says. What he says is, I've already paid for that moment because I knew there were going to be a hundred times that you failed. And by the way, baby girl, there's going to be a hundred times more that you fail. And I'm not intimidated by any of them. In fact, the scripture teaches us what, what, what we learned was it was while we were sinners, while we were missing the mark, while we were separated from God, that he sent his son to come pay the price for that sin so that it wouldn't be held against us anymore. God took responsibility for our failures. God wasn't the abuser pointing at us. God took responsibility and said, I'm going to bear the weight of your mistakes. I'm going to take ownership for the people you hurt. I'm going to go ahead and pay the price and the penalty for the fact that you broke that person. I'm going to say, you know what? I'll take the penalty for it. I'll pay the fine. I'll spend the time in prison. I'm going to get on a cross and I'm going to die. And now what I want you to do is I want you to go live the life that I have for you, no longer bound by the mistakes that you're going to make along the way. Chase me. Chase me. Learn me. Know me. Get, have a relationship with me so that you can learn not to hurt others and you can learn not to hurt yourself and walk in a freedom free from guilt, free from those things that are keeping you from being able to run and live life. Yeah, use the word freedom. I mean, the, the question, why do we need forgiveness? I think about the team of people that I work with and uh, how many times I've told them, hey, if you mess something up, um, do me a favor. Let me know about that. Um, it's not because I want to know about it so I can, you know, bang them upside the head. It's so I can immediately release them from that, and I can say, you know what, I know, and you don't have to walk around with that. I know. You don't have to worry about me catching you later because you did it. I want to be able to say, you know what, it's, you said you're sorry, and it's okay, and let's move on. And I think I want to do that when I know that I've messed something up I want to be able to say, I am really sorry about that, didn't mean it, or maybe I did mean it, and now I'm not going to do it again, and to be released from that so I can walk around in freedom, use that word, yeah, and it's pretty important. God needs us to acknowledge. He needs us to acknowledge because in the moment that we acknowledge, what we're recognizing is, I did that wrong. Mm-hmm. I should do that different, and and we just misunderstand his heartbeat. We think it's about us being sorry, and it isn't about us being sorry it's about us doing it different so that we don't hurt people anymore. I mean, how many relationships do you see in your counseling where somebody will hammer their point to be right and they'll completely tear the relationship apart and they will walk around knowing that they're wrong and they will continue to just pound that drum, I'm going to be right no matter what, and they carry it and they're just destroying relationships when all they would have had to do, but it's harder as time goes by, it's harder to say, yeah, you know what, I know I argued that 27 times in a row. Um, but I actually realized the very first time that I was wrong. I just didn't want to admit I was wrong. Yeah, we call it ego. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. A little, a little Freudian here. Yeah. Um, Eddie, you said something a few minutes ago, and I, need, I, need, I have to come back to it. I can't let it slip. You said um, God took the, the punishment on himself, right? Is that basically kind of what you said just then? It depends on what you say next. Okay. That he said, I'm taking responsibility. I'm, I, I am taking this upon myself so that you can be re- reconciled unto me. I, I, I did say that. Okay. Did. Genesis 6, um, verse 5. When the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was deeply grieved. Then the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I created off the face of the earth together with the animals, creatures that crawl, and birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. Noah, however, found favor with the Lord. How is it possible in Genesis chapter 6 for the Lord, and this was that was the American standard, by the way. Um, you can read that in the NIV, King James, whichever Bible you prefer. How is it that how is it that God can say, "Hey, I regret how this turned out, knowing how this was going to turn out?" And why is it still necessary if God potentially is showing remorse in one of the first 6 chapters of the Bible that we would need to ask for forgiveness consistently? 
if he knew this was coming twice? Well, the the to to answer the question, um, I think I think you got to. There's a couple things I think you have to understand. One is you have to understand that about the first three books of of, of Genesis, the three first three chapters or so, is the way it was intended, and the rest of the Bible is God's attempt to redeem mankind and put them back on track. So when you understand that, you see the way it was supposed to be, the way God wanted it to be, the way God hoped it would stay, but he knew, he knew because of humanity that he would that we would make some decisions. And he had to give us free will, which you can go back to episode 1 if you need to understand free will, right? Go back and listen to episode 1. The Phantom um, Menace. Yeah, <laughs> the Phantom Menace. Um, <laughs> but but the question was why would he say he regretted it? Why would he do those things? And and I don't know how many of you have ever known you were going to have a child, and in the source, in in the in the span of you having a child, there were going to be some really difficult moments. And at one of the times when you were walking through one of those moments, your thought was, "Wow, this is harder than I imagined. This hurts more than I ever thought it would. I I, I don't know that I, I I I wish I would have done this differently." And yet, you wouldn't have done it differently because you wouldn't have had any. You wouldn't have had the child in the end, and you know it it. it it ends better, but there are still moments where as you're walking through it, the pain, the heartache, the hardship, and, and we forget, we forget that God created us, that God loves us. God loves us incredibly. We are his prized everything. And so as we are walking through that, rejecting him, turning away, he's watching his people be devastated by each other. He's watching brother hurt brother and brothers hurt sisters and, and people break and tear apart the things he loves the most. And in that moment, he says, man, I regret this. This is harder than I thought it would be. This hurts worse than I ever thought it would. Man, I, I got remorse about even doing this. But you know what? I'm going to continue because I'm going to make it right. I'm going to redeem Mankind. Well, how could he? How could he kill all of those people? Because we forget that he thinks in terms of eternity, and he knew that he was going to be with them for eternity if they would receive the very thing we're talking about today, which is the forgiveness that Christ offers on the cross. There's going to be a day when I pay for all of it, when I pay for all of their brokenness, when I pay for all of their hate, when I pay for all, when I pay for all of their resentment, and if they'll receive what I'm going to do for them. They can be with me, and they can be restored, and they can have life forever. And my hope is that they'll receive my forgiveness so that they can have relationship with me. He, he knew us before he brought us here. So I, I, whenever I think about these kind of things, I think about the fact that we were spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. We're not human beings that simply have a spirit or have a soul. We are souls and spirits that have been given temporarily a human body. And uh, so you think about, you know, we wiped out all those people. Um, well, actually, he knew all those people, and then he sent them on this mission to planet Earth. And like just says, I'm sorry I created that, and then put them on Earth, right? So he took the souls and he, st- he stuck them on Earth in these human bodies. And then he said, nope, you know what? You're absolutely failing on the mission. I'm just regretting even sending you down there right now. <laughs> yeah. Abort, so what I'm abort. doing is I'm pulling you back um, right now because uh, you're, you're just absolutely not getting it right. You know, we could well, talk about reincarnation another day, and so maybe gives you another chance, right, and pops you back that, down. That could be a whole rapture thing, oh, too. Absolutely. Man. And 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 I just want to call out the fact that you're asking questions that you shouldn't ask. No. <laughs> I can ask that. <laughs> and you can ask that, too, if you text 501-438-9634. 501-438-9634. You can text your questions in, and we will debate over them and try to destroy Eddie on particular part. We've been easy on you. We, oh, you we, have over the last few episodes. Oh, I got you tonight. But, but tonight's not the tonight night. Tonight is right? destruction. This is what number one looks like, baby. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Smith, LEC. Do you have anything you wanted to elaborate on before we move forward? Yeah, I think it's important to sometimes we think of sin. I think Eddie mentioned missing the mark, but we we think people like in the Noah days, like that they enjoyed all of that, that they were doing. And it was just this like free for all, you know, you think Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, all that stuff. Um, but in everything that I've seen, most missing the mark comes from um, people trying to cope with pain 
and they're trying to take care of themselves the best that they can. And so it's not something that someone just is like, oh, I'm going to go be this horrible person. I'm going to cause all this pain. It's going to be great. It's, it's, I'm trying to take care of myself and I don't know a better way. And so I'm making all these mistakes and I need to learn healthier ways to take care of myself. That's interesting. Let's not move forward until I, I ask you some more about that. Um, what you're saying there is most of, or some of missing the mark at least, but I don't know if we can go with most, but a fair amount of missing the mark could be coping mechanisms that we just don't have better ways for. Exactly. Okay. Eddie, if that's true, why do we need forgiveness for that? Because there's still things that hurt people. Just because the way I cope with my sin is punching you in the face and it makes me feel better, it doesn't mean that the way I'm coping isn't destroying or hurting myself or others around me. It's still missing the mark. And the reality is God understands that the way I'm coping is destructive. And I have to recognize the destruction of my actions. And then if I will receive his grace. And here's, so how do I, how do I be made? Okay, so all sin is just forgiven and everybody's going to heaven and everybody's good. That's, that's, not, that's not what he says. Okay, in Ephesians chapter two, chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, this is what he says, the New Living Translation. God saved you by his grace when you believed. When you believed in what? Another translation says when you, because of your faith, your trust in what? In what Jesus did, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Here's what he's saying. You are saved by his grace. By his grace, you didn't earn it, you don't deserve it, and yet he gave it. When? When do I receive this grace? When I believe what Jesus did for me covers my sin, covers my bad coping mechanisms, covers all of these things in my life. We're the ones who make sin this, this, this horrible. We're the ones who, who makes it this thing because it is horrible. It is horrible. Listen, when I take things and substances into my body and it becomes my God, it is horrible. Even if I'm trying to cope, you cannot deny how destructive it is. When I take pornography as the place that I turn, when something is happening in my life, we cannot deny the destruction of the people that are working, the people that are selling it, the people, and, and what it does to marriages, what it does to people. Like, those are real, real things. And just because it's the way I cope or the way it makes me feel better, it doesn't do anything good for the people around me. I have to recognize turn to God, repent of my sin, which means to figure out how to do it different. How do I do it different? God tells us, but it starts with receiving forgiveness. God no longer holds against you what you did. In fact, does he not? He doesn't not only hold it against you, he paid the price for it. You stole the gum. He went back to the store, paid for it, and says, hey, I can show you a better way to live where you don't hurt yourself anymore, where you don't hurt the people around you. Well, how many times did he pay for the gum? He bought all the gum in the store, and then he says, hey, would you stop stealing that? Because it's really going to hurt you, and it's really going to hurt the people around you. I think faith is a huge part of that process, too, in letting go of old habits and being able to believe that this new thing is going to make everything better. So that's a huge part of it. Guys, faith is the key, and here's where our churches do a horrible job. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. You're not saved because you raised your hand and because you said a prayer. You're saved because you believe in what Christ did. There's faith. Faith implies trust. I can say I believe if I sit in a chair, it's not going to fall. But if I trust, I'm going to go sit down in the chair. I got to trust that Jesus is Lord. You know, Romans says that, that, that if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. I'm saying I'm going to trust you to lead my life, to direct my life. And God says, if you'll do that, man, I'll not only save you for eternity. And see, this is, this is, this is a struggle too. Salvation isn't just about when you die. Salvation is for right now. He's redeeming you, not for tomorrow. He's redeeming you for today. He says, I want you to start living the life that I have for you, not when you die so you can go to heaven. Heaven isn't the goal. Listen to me, if you're out there, heaven is not your goal. Life is your goal. 
And it doesn't have to wait till then. You can start walking in the life God has for you today. And it starts with receiving your forgiveness from Christ, believing, trusting, having faith, which then means you're going to repent, claim him as Lord, and let him begin to lead and guide your life, which pulls you away from different coping mechanisms, right? Like, hey, man, you can't keep coping with things that way because you're hurting people. you got to repent. you got to turn and go a different direction. And, and, and when churches treat that like someone's dirty, they miss the whole point. They're judgmental. They're Pharisees. That's why when Jesus saw two people praying and one was the guy that said, I thank you that I'm perfect. And the other guy said, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. And the, and, the, and the perfect guy said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that guy over there. And the other guy just said, man, help me, help me. And Jesus said, hey, which one of these guys is right? It's not all the church people looking, in, looking down on people because of brokenness in their life. It's the broken people who are saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you. Um, who wants to finish this up and put a put a nice little bow on this before we move forward? I have no bow. You have no bow. Amy Smith, LAC. Any bow you want to add to that? No, I'm good. All right. No bows on that. By the way, if you've got uh, bows or questions, you can text them in at 501-438-9634. We've talked a lot about forgiveness as it pertains to God, but um, let's talk a little bit about forgiveness as it pertains to each other and to ourselves. You know, thank Thankfully, God is merciful when it comes to forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and taking into account that we are going to live lives that are less than perfect. But it is, I find it harder now to receive forgiveness or give forgiveness when it comes to interpersonal relationships as it, uh, than it is to receive uh, forgiveness from God. So here's the question that I'll pose to the group to start. How many times should we forgive somebody for the same thing? Not everybody at once. I think this goes back to our last podcast, really, mm-hmm. about boundaries. Boundaries. Yeah. Um, I mean, we said that you can forgive someone a million times, but, like, you're not going to forget. And so you have to um, create those boundaries that are going to keep you safe. And if, especially if that person is not um, recognizing that their behavior is damaging and they're going to repeat that behavior. I feel the same way. You're awful agreeable tonight, Aaron. <laughs> like uh, we turned the volume up on this thing and all of a sudden Aaron's sitting in the corner. Well, I, I see so many people that want to justify their actions and, uh, and, and I see three of them sitting in front of me. So any, anything that we do, the first thing we do is we look to justify it. And uh, which means we haven't repented, we haven't changed a thing. And uh, so we started out from the notion of a lot of people, you said a lot of people want to know, why do you need forgiveness in the first place? Well, I don't know. Why don't you just keep walking around, um, tearing up lives around you and not being self-aware of how damaging that is? So you got to come to a place where you realize that your own actions are hurting others, like Eddie said. And, uh, and how many times should you forgive other people? I would start to ask the person who's putting themselves in a situation where they have to forgive the same person again and again and again for the same thing. I mean, what's that old saying? You know, fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. Shame on, wait. Fool me once, shame, shame on you. you. There we go. Fool me twice, shame on me. My bad, my bad. Thank right, you, Mr. And President. And said healthy you know boundaries, and at some point in time, you've got to be smart enough to realize that if you've if the same person is doing the same exact thing to you, um, that maybe you got to look in the mirror and say, why am I setting myself up for this? Yeah, and I mean, and I think if you want to get you know further into the weeds on on that particular side of this discussion, you can go back and listen to the podcast that's previous to this one, and it's talking a lot about uh, forgiveness of other people and boundaries, and and we spent a whole hour talking about that on the last podcast. What we did not spend an entire hour talking about is forgiving ourselves, which is something that's not talked about a lot. At all, I don't hear I don't hear this conversation in churches very often at all. We talk about the forgiveness from God. We talk about trying to forgive each other, but I really think that the basis of all forgiveness is really that first step is is forgiving yourself. Because if you do not have the ability to forgive yourself of the things that you have done previously, I would think. And Amy Smith, LAC, you can tell me if I'm wrong here. I would think that if you lack the ability to forgive yourself, it's significantly harder to forgive other people. 
I don't know about that one. That's why you went to school for it and not me. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah I do want to bring up really quick. I drew a picture one time um, when I was dealing with not being able to forgive myself for something. And it was um, about the um, story in the gospel where the um, adulterer lady had, um, they'd caught her and drug her out in the street and the, um, the guys all had their stones and, you know, Jesus wrote something in the sand and he said, you know, let the first one who hasn't sinned cast the first stone. And the picture that I drew was, it was from behind and you could see the, the lady and Jesus and then you could see the people kind of walking away and, um, she was letting go of the stone out of her hand. And so I was just trying to kind of grab an image hmm. of like, you have to be able to drop your own stone. That's an incredible picture. That is an incredible picture. Wow. Wow. That, that just blew my mind, man. You got to drop the stone that you would throw at yourself. So I've, I, I have this perspective on why it's um, hard to forgive ourselves sometimes. And it all goes back to what I've talked about before. You love to be right. And when you're right, it makes you feel good. So if you've told yourself a lie, you told yourself, I'm a, I'm a screw up. I, I messed it up. You've lived with it long enough that you've built, you know, church talks a stronghold, right? You just have this belief within you that says, I'm a screw up. Okay. You told yourself that you believe it. And, and there's nothing that makes you happier than being right. So now you walk around in a world continuing to screw up. And every time you do, you have this sick little pleasure inside of you because you just proved yourself right again. And so, Think about it. Think about it. You got a little dopamine re release when you found out you were right in the argument, right? You get a little dopamine release. You feel good about it. Your subconscious is saying to itself, the truth about me is I'm a screw-up. So every time I screw up, I just prove myself right. See, I told you I would fail again. I told you I was a failure. I just did it again. That was the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's so true, dude. It's absolutely true. Y'all have back-to-back mind ninja'd me. You know, Amy that's, with the picture, and then you with what you just said. It's uh, really powerful. We wonder why Paul, Paul said, I, I know what to do. I just keep on doing this other thing. Like, what is in me that keeps doing that other thing? Oh, your subconscious told you that uh, you were wrong when you did it, and you believed it. And now you're trying to prove yourself right. That is the craziest thing that I have ever heard in my life because I, I, I will semi-agree with you from a completely different point of view. Me and my brother are completely different people. He's tall. I'm short. You know, I'm the DeVito of the twins, all right? I, I get that. When we were kids, um, mom would send us to our room to think about what we had done. If we mm -hmm. had, Did you guys ever hear that? that or, or did you get just... Oh, for sure. I mean, because we got, I mean, we got whoopings too, but, but I mean, go to your room and think about what you've done. Oh, yeah. Zach would go to his room and just play. Like he didn't care what mm -hmm. he did. He, matter of fact, I remember him distinctly telling mom, I'm going to just go to my room. And when I get out, I'm going to do that thing again. Like, <laughs> I, I respect, <laughs> I respect the guts. I went to my room and legitimately thought about what I did mm -hmm. at six and seven years old. I would sit there and I would stew and I would simmer on the fact that, that I had messed up. It didn't give me a dopamine release to prove that I was that I was a screw up, but it did reaffirm something in me, a belief that I had always had and still struggle with to this very minute that if given a situation that can be screwed up, I'm going to do it. So I don't know that there's a dopamine release in that. The self-fulfilling prophecies. So your mom told you that the behavior was wrong. I want you to think about what you did. Very different than your mom saying to you, you know what, Drew, you're a total screw up. You're always going to be a screw up. And then you go to your room thinking, I'm a screw up. And then we wonder why we check back in 20 years. And guess what you are? You're a screw up. You know how many right. people have believed lies that said, you're never going to be a success. You're never going to grow up to be anything. Hey, Eddie, you're really bad at math. You're a bad kid. And then we wonder why Eddie grows up and doesn't even want to take math classes in college because he believes in his mind he's not. And he feels really good about the fact that he's skipping around taking math for the rest of his life, and he doesn't even know why. You know what? 
I don't know how you knew that I was bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was well, it was incredible. the bracket thing. Right? The bracket. Right. He's definitely going to lose that. You know what? I, I love <laughs> I love what you're saying. Now, Drew, I will I will go back to something you said in the beginning because I, I disagree with a couple things you said. The, the first thing you said is it's harder to forgive others if you can't forgive yourself. I think you actually have to start with forgiving others um, and, and, and asking for forgiveness from others before you can sometimes forgive yourself. Because, because it's, it, you know, say I wrong somebody, you know, me going to the person, making it right with them allows me to begin to forgive myself. And as I learn how to have grace for others, I think it makes it easier for me to have grace for myself. Man, I can give it to you. I can give it to you. I can give it to you. I'm learning how to give grace. And I think it makes it easier for me to give it to, 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 to myself. Maybe I should have worded it this way. It's easier to forgive others. Um, it's not easy to receive forgiveness from others until you've forgiven yourself. That I could that I could see a little bit more clearly. Is if if you are still holding on to something that that you can't forgive yourself for, then some somebody that you have wronged, um, if they tell you, "Hey, yeah, it's okay, I forgive you. It's all water under the bridge." You're not going to let go of that, even though they have. Right. You will hold on to that forever. And if there is one constant. That, that, I mean, if, I, if there is something that I could 100% say that I have struggled with in my life, it's that right there. Yeah, that I have right a there. theory that, like, so when we're in something, like, we've just done it, it's fresh, it's, you know, whatever, um, and it may be we've been in it for six months or whatever, um, we identify with it, and so that's why it's so hard to get, to forgive ourselves and get up. But once you can get away from it, like say I did something I did 10 years ago, I don't identify with that anymore because I've worked through it, you know? And so it's like, I don't hold that over my head anymore. So I think a lot of what we have to work through is not identifying with what you did. That's not who you are. You are made up of your values, your core values, you know, who God's made you and your behavior is outside of that. And we have to make sure that we're not identifying as our behavior. Sometimes I think it can become, um, and I'm, I'm going to look away from Amy because I know she's going to eye discipline me, um, a convenient <laughs> crutch. Um, I heard someone tell a story about just blowing their marriage, right? And then, and then they said, I'm not good at marriage. And then they said, and I pretty much am living this life alone now. So it's become this convenient crutch for them that they don't do, have to do the hard work of relationships anymore because they haven't let themselves off the hook for the fact that they ruined one. So now it's convenient. Now they don't have to do the hard work anymore to try to go out and have nice relationships. And uh, for many of us, I'm a prime example of that. I mean, I messed something up a long time ago and I walked away from someone and then it became this convenient crutch for me to say, you know what? I'm not going to have really healthy, deep-rooted relationships because all I ever do is just mess them up anyway. And it became an excuse for me that I carried around until the day that I became aware of it and said, you know what, Aaron, you need to forgive yourself for that. It's not who you are. It's just something that you did, and you can fix that. And then I had to do the hard work of then building real relationships and the real work of fixing it. But as long as I carried it with me, it was this convenient excuse that I told myself, and so I don't have to go do the hard work. Yeah, I think I think there's truth in that. I think I think that I think there's several things that leads to not forgiving ourselves. One is is you know that we really hurt somebody, and there's this remorse or whatever that we can't seem to get over. And and as you put back the relationship, it helps it helps you have the ability to forgive yourself. But the other, I think, is what you, what you said, is it becomes the crutch. It becomes the crutch. And then the other thing I think it does is it's a kind of a defense mechanism for ourselves. Because if I already know I'm bad at it, then I give myself permission to fail the next time, and mm-hmm. then I don't feel like such a bad, you know what, I already knew I wasn't bad at it. I already knew I wasn't going to make the team. I already knew I wasn't going to, because I already knew. And so it's almost this defense mechanism of I'm not going to put myself on this pedestal that I can fall off again, because when I fell off the pedestal, that hurt. So I'm just going to stay down here on the floor. Because I can't fall from the floor. But, but the truth is then you can't live from the floor either. And that's why you have to learn how to let go of those things, man. So why do we need forgiveness? Come in full circle, right? Why do we need to ask God for forgiveness? Because recognizing our error, our sin, our missing the mark, doing what it takes to restore the relationship is what gives us the ability to live as if we didn't do that thing, to, to move past it. And so that asking of forgiveness of other people, that asking of forgiveness of ourselves, that asking forgiveness of God, 
cleanse the palate, right? So, so, um, and, and just allows us the freedom to move forward in the life that God wants for us, because ultimately that's what he wants in our relationships. That's what he wants us to do for ourselves. That's what he wants us to do for each other. And I, I would encourage folks to, to act with some speed and velocity when it comes to forgiving yourself. Um, you know, if you drop the ball and you're guilty of it, um, tell yourself you're sorry and then move on. Because um, I know in my case, guilt moved to shame. Mm-hmm. And shame said, Aaron, hide. And uh, so then I began to hide from deeper relationships because that's why I screwed up. And, uh, and I, you see a lot of folks walking around with this shame inside of them um, that they don't want to look at. And they yeah. just hide it and they bury it. And it becomes this truth about themselves that they believe. And it begins to shape their entire life. And the quicker we can come to a place to say, hey, I messed that up. But that's not me. Right. Um, it's the greatest thing we can say to our kids is that's not you. Right. Um, instead of looking at them and saying, you know, a D, you're a horrible student. You know, you should do right. That's a terrible thing to tell a child mm-hmm. because it stays with them forever. But to look at them and say, a D, that's not like you. You're an A student. You're good at math. You know what? It was cool. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit about that because there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is what I did was bad. Shame is who I am is bad. Mm-hmm. And guilt, hey, man, I just, I, I say I'm sorry. I do what it, it takes to make it right. Shame causes me to hide and pull away. And, and by the way, the very first sin that happened, Adam and Eve did the wrong thing. They did what God told them not to. And what did they do? They hid. They hid. But here's the question. What did God do? God did the same thing he always did. He came to walk with them. them in the garden. And when they weren't where they normally were, he looked for them. Because God was not intimidated by their sin, and then he clothed them. Who made the very first fur coat? It was God, right? So he clothed them, <laughs> covered them up, just saying. And, and, and then, because God was about restoring the relationship. It wasn't this big, long speech about say you're sorry. If you look at the story of the prodigal son, it wasn't a big, long speech about say you're sorry. In fact, the father didn't even let the son get the words out. Because it was never about the words, it was about the recognition and, and the deal. And, uh, and, and so cool story that I want to share. My son came in and he had bees on his report card. Now for some of my children, I would have celebrated that, but this son <laughs> in particular is really, 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 really intellectually smart. And, uh, not that all my kids aren't smart, but some intellectually and some in other ways. And anyway, so this is what I said. I said, son, what does a bee mean? And he goes, that means it's good. And I said, yeah. I said, hey, what does a C mean? He goes, that means average. And I was like, yeah. And I said, what does an A mean? And he says, excellent. And I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Are you a good student or are you an excellent student? And he goes, I'm an excellent student? I was like, yes, you are, son. You're an excellent student. So I need you to strive for excellent grades because you're an excellent student. And what I love about that is you had him say that to himself because he's going to believe what he says to himself more than he's going to believe what you say. Our self-talk is so important, and seeking forgiveness allows us to self-talk ourselves, to speak into ourselves, to say, I am forgiven. And, you know, Drew, I'm sorry for what I did to you. And you go, Aaron, it's okay. Um, I tell myself, if I accept it, Aaron, you're okay. You're an okay guy. And I don't walk around with the, sh- the guilt, which turns into shame, that makes me hide. You've, you've offended people probably, um, and then it's not that they don't want to hang out with you. You don't want to hang out with them, right? Because you hide from them because you know what you did and you, you just got to go fix it. You know, speaking of kids, um, I think a great example of what we need to ask forgiveness is like our kids. Like I, I had to learn that. Um, and now it's like I do that really quickly. Um, I think asking your kids for forgiveness when you've went off the handle or, you know, did something mm-hmm. that... Um, and calling that out is really important. Wait, you've went off the handle with your kids? <laughs> Just one of them. <laughs> the other one's like a, an angel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben really struggles. He does. Yeah. I'll tell you this. One of the best parenting things I've ever done is I learned how to apologize to my kids quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, too many people want to be right, and it's better to show them what to do when you're wrong. Uh, because the truth is they're going to be wrong. We're all going to be wrong. And more than I want you to learn how to be right, I want you to learn what to do when you're wrong. And if I can model that for you, mm-hmm. that's really, really important. And, and then if you, if you teach them to seek forgiveness quickly, restore the relationship quickly and intentionally, and then you go about life as if everything's good, 
it teaches them how to forgive themselves, how to forgive others, how to walk through situations when they do it wrong, and I think that's really important. How many times have you walked around and you thought that you offended somebody or you must have made them mad, and then when you approached them about it, you found out that actually you didn't? And uh, my, my story with asking forgiveness is the first time that I told my I guess probably the only time I told my son, um, in a moment of high emotion, I said, I just want to apologize to you for being physically present and emotionally absent. Mm-hmm. And I had carried the weight of that for years and, and felt so guilty about, you know, I'm the bad dad. And I'm there for the games and things, but am I really there emotionally when he needed me? And, uh, and he looked back at me and said, what are you talking about? Like, I've, I, never, I never even thought that way. I never thought that way. And I thought, gosh, why did I think that way? And why didn't I come to him earlier and say that? Well, I didn't come to him earlier because I felt ashamed, and so I hid from it. Dude, it was one of the coolest things the other night. My son went to a spiritual retreat type deal over the weekend, and and one of the things that was there is um, somebody was kind of, they said, man, I'm I'm standing in as, as a mom person in your life. And they said, hey, here are some things that moms have done that have, that have hurt people, and I just want to apologize. And it was to a group of people. And there were some people that were very, very emotional because they had had some really horrible, horrific things that maybe had happened with their moms or some unresolved things. And what was what the coolest part for me is when he got done and he was sitting with, with my wife and I, and he was just talking about what had happened. And he said, you know, one of the coolest things for me was when this lady stood up and said these things, I thought, man, you're none of those things. And what I didn't, what I didn't fully uh, expect was how deeply that impacted my wife, mm. because mom guilt is such a real thing. And so they walk around, she walks around, we walk around believing we've done all of these things wrong, and then we hide from it because we don't want to deal with it because we don't want to know the answer because we can't just talk about it because there's there's too much involved in that. And, and all of a sudden, in that moment, she was like, wow, okay, man. I'll and she was free. She's free. And that's the word. It's freedom. She's free. She it's freedom. free of it it's all of a sudden. Like, wow. Hey, man, forgiveness, confession is not a bad word. Guys, confession isn't a bad thing. Why does God make me confess? Confession isn't a bad thing. Like, there's nothing wrong with admitting, hey, there's an area in my life I'm not perfect. There's nothing wrong with saying, can you help me be better? Like, who taught us that? Who taught us that crap, that that was a bad word or a bad thing or turning to God and saying, I wasn't who I could have been in that moment. Would you help me be better? Why? Who taught us that was bad? Man, that's not bad. It's so freeing. It's It's a great question to ask about so many different things is, why do I believe that's true? Who told me that? Where did I get that from? It's good. Mm -hmm. That's that's so where I'm at. Like, I just, I feel like there's so much that's taught it with that dark undertone and like it doesn't have to be seen that way it doesn't have to be seen and, like that let's way. re let's if we were going to deconstruct let's reconstruct that like, yes that would be great yes so drew i'm ready to put a bow on it hey wherever you're at with god god's not mad at you he already paid the price for everything you've done everything you're currently doing and everything you'll do tomorrow and he's not intimidated by the broken things that are happening in our lives that we've learned to do to cope with the problems and the hurts and the struggles. And here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to recognize that there's an emptiness, recognize there's a hole. He wants you to confess that so that you can recognize it and then you can begin to receive his forgiveness and his grace that he already poured out for you. Not because you were perfect, but because he's absolutely madly in love with you. And by believing in Jesus Christ and what he did for you, you can be reconciled to God regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you're doing, and regardless of what you do tomorrow. You can be right with God, and he can begin to help you learn how to walk a different life. All right. That's Eddie putting the bow on it. AC, your final thoughts. Hey, I like it. Take care of things when they're small. Um, whether it's cutting your grass, you know, don't wait till it's three foot high. Or it's just a bear, right? You just, can you picture it or are you just sweating? And uh, same thing go with habits. Um, you know, before you get deep, dark habit that you keep around and all of a sudden it becomes an intimacy and next thing you know, cigarettes are your best friend, right? I mean, right. I know people who cigarettes are best friend. I'm going to go out and burn one and they're like having a conversation with a cigarette. Um, and the same thing goes with forgiveness. Um, when it's small and it's new and you think you did something small, um, ask for a small forgiveness. That's great. Knock them out before they become big, they become guilt, they become shame. Amy Smith, LAC. Yeah, just 
don't make things so heavy. Um, it's, it really is. We can lighten it up a little bit, and, and it doesn't have to be so heavy. That is this episode of You Can Ask That. If you've got questions, you can text them in 501-438-9634. Again, 501-438-9634. Tell everybody on your social media feed where to get this. Thanks so much for listening. That's Aaron Carlisle, Eddie Schaefer, Amy Smith, and I'm Drew Brent. We will see you all next week.